Hey everybody, how's it going? Great to have you back. Good we didn't scare you away the first time. This is the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast of the Fox River Racing Club in Wisconsin International Raceway. My name is Matt Panier. I'm the voice you hear over the microphone, for better or worse, every Thursday night. Andy Monday joining me here. Andy, nice to have you back. Thanks. And Dan Strong, our production guru here. Great to have Dan here as well. Well, let's jump right into it, folks. Uh, I am here to advise you never to listen to the weatherman again in your life when it comes to going to races. When we looked at the forecast, Andy, it did not look like we were going to be racing at all this Thursday. And, uh, well, uh, the meteorologist was very, very wrong. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, You know, probably like most other teams and drivers, you start looking at the forecast with AccuWeather or Fox 11 or whatever you prefer. And pretty much every single one of them was anywhere from 50 to 80% uh, chance of rain. So then it's like one of those things, well, do I load up my car the night before? Do I not? There's a couple little things I got to do. Should I do it? Do I not? You know, Dylan's here today. We'll talk about, you know, stuff getting ready for the race with like hydrating and race day diet and all that kind of stuff. It's like, if you're kind of like pretty sure it's going to rain out, you kind of maybe get a little lax on some of those things. You go on the cheat day and you start loading the carbs. Okay. Yeah. You're like, "Ah, I'm not going to load my car up. I'll have a soda instead of a water and all stuff like that. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, some stuff that popped up on the radar and it went south of us and it ended up being a good night racing. I don't think it rained here till like 1130 or 1145. It was pretty late. And I thought what, what was very interesting to me is I was of course watching the AccuWeathers and the percentage at what time and things like that. And about two o'clock I looked and I saw there were storms up in Duluth and, and the percentages dropped from about 60 to 30%. And I thought, okay, this this is great. You know, this is the kind of thing that scares people away from the racetrack, which is very unfortunate. But like I said, just, just don't watch that stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just no. watch our Facebook page. <laughs> and if we say we're racing, gosh darn it, we're going to be racing. Yeah, look outside. That's your weather. That's It's a 50% chance every day. Either it's going to rain or it's not. If it's not, then come on up to the track. Absolutely. And if you didn't, if you weren't able to, obviously we understand, but shame on you anyway. Uh, we did have some really, really good racing and a first-time feature winner on the season, not a first time ever, in Alex Stumpf in the Super Late Models. And we caught up with him and had a little chat with Alex after the race. Alex Stumpf takes the win tonight in the Super Late Model 35 presented by Ken Sports. And Alex, it's been a little while. You picked up your first feature win when you were a rookie back in 2015. How's it feel to get back to victory lane? Uh, I'm I'm really happy with it because uh, we we had a terrible luck last year and we struggled quite a bit. With uh, We had a real early problem in the beginning of the season with the throttle sticking again on us. And, uh, you know, it happens, but... Uh, then we had a, we had an alternator problem uh, last week, and that kind of got the guys down. So the win this week really means a lot. It's not just me, because I obviously I like winning, but at the same time, uh, it kind of brings the morale up for all the guys in the in the uh, for my crew. And it wasn't just one challenger knocking on the door and Jesse out and Hoven, but then suddenly Lowell Bennett comes knocking as well and i heard you say in the victory lane interview that you were watching the scoreboard you were watching that two car start to work its way up actually i i had no i it's a bad habit of mine i, I do watch it a little bit i a quick glance here and there but uh actually i was a little worried about the 52 there he was kind of sitting in fifth place there and i know he's he's always been strong brent Strelka has and uh he was looking pretty good and then uh, i was kind of surprised he kind of 
kind of fell off a little bit there. I don't know what happened. But uh, and I kind of kept glancing, and then all of a sudden the number two was there. I got a little bit worried. And uh, But I, I do give props to Jesse O and actually Brandon Reichenberger. Both of them had a phenomenal night tonight. Uh, I was uh, very, very impressed with the runs that they had and actually very impressed with the run that I have considering that uh, I've been struggling a little bit in qualifying. I don't know uh, where I got to find speed there. But that's one thing is that I, I give props to this entire field. It's crazy how thank you. It's crazy how fast um, this entire field is because they're they're within um, hundreds of each other and it's thank you. And it's it's crazy because I mean I qualified for me to get into the show. I had a I had a 19664 uh, and Jesse O had a 19665 and that bumped them out. And I don't know what happened with some of the guys in the field. I guess something went wrong with the tire sheets or whatever. And uh, that bumped us up a couple positions, and that gave us a good starting position, which always helps. The restarts we've seen here over the past couple of weeks and historically have been so important. And you get the opportunity. You take the outside. You ran it to perfection. For some of the fans that might be in the stands wondering, why would you take the outside on a restart? Can you explain that? Uh me personally as a driver i've always uh preferred the outside lane um you can carry mo more momentum uh going into two is a more sweeping corner and so you really got to make your move you got to make your move in two so you can carry more momentum and roll it better out of two coming out and then you can hopefully hopefully get them down the back stretch and then possibly tuck it in and then three and if you if you're still on the outside in three and four hopefully you maintain and then you got to roll them back into two again but i've always i've always preferred the outside because of the you, i don't know you just carry more momentum and with that new they uh, i know they'll they spray it every once in a while with that stick them on the outside i think that helps tremendously with getting it better side by side racing it took you a while to get your second feature win what are the chances you find victory lane again here in 2017? You don't want to wait that long again, right? No, I don't. Uh, I think the luck that we've been having this year has been tremendously better than last year. We struggled a lot last year, and uh, with my rookie year, I mean, we had a we had a good run there. Once again, starting position helps quite a bit. But uh, hopefully, with the white race, uh, they got this. They got the new rule there where we do not have to start 14th, which I'm kind of happy about. So we get four brand new tires. Uh, next week which uh, everyone loves four brand new tires i mean who doesn't and um so we're we'll be shooting for a pretty decent uh we'll be shooting for the win again for next week because we don't have to start in the back and uh hopefully we'll get a couple more this week or uh this year yet because uh we got not a lot of season left yet but we got a decent amount So that is Alex Stumpf after his feature win uh, this past Thursday night in the Schmitty's Tickets Super Late Models. Andy, a couple things I thought were interesting that Alex had told us during that interview. Number one, scoreboard watching. I don't think a lot of guys do that, but uh, that's uh, that was pretty interesting. Number two is the restarts, and I think you were the first guy that ever told me about this. I was very curious and it, it wasn't something that was always the case here, or at least not in the last 10 years, but something that changed maybe about five, six, seven years ago, where the drivers like to choose the outside line for the restart. And I think you were the first guy I approached on this and said, why are you guys doing that? And you had told me that it's really nice just to go into one and two, throw it in as hard as possible and let it stick and make the runoff of two. And that's pretty much exactly what Alex said. Yeah, I mean, really, when you, I mean, obviously, the preferred line in the corners, like any racetrack, is on the bottom. But on a restart, 
Um, you're coming down the front stretch, you know, if somebody had a, a radar gun on us or something, we're probably going 20 or 30 miles an hour slower than you would normally be when you're up to speed. So, um, yeah, you can come down the front stretch and you can drive into turn one and two a lot harder. Um, and that gives you the room if you do slide up a little bit um, where you're not getting into the car on the outside of you. Um, and then the big thing is really being able to get back on the gas and come down the back stretch, you know. Um, if you can hit that right, I mean, it really looks like you have 20, 25 more horsepower than the guy on the inside and just get that run coming off the corner. Yeah, and it almost seems time and time again, tried and true, no matter who it is on that outside line. I mean, is this a thing where now if a guy gets the pull for the race, does he start asking, hey, can I can I take that outside <laughs> line for the start? Yeah, I've heard it too before. I mean, you know, when you look at like the dash race, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I, I, I wish, uh, you know, to qualify fifth versus sixth just so you can start on the outside it's kind of the sweet spot you you get that extra point fifth versus sixth but then you also get the start on the outside so it is kind of interesting um obviously the week before that didn't work out so well for me with uh with bennett in the feature um but those things happen too so there's you know it's um it's an interesting dynamic. It doesn't happen on the quarter mile, but it certainly is something that works good on the half mile. Yeah, I think there's only one guy that would really dare to do that on the quarter mile. He's sitting in here with us. We'll talk to him about that in a couple <laughs> moments. Uh, another point that Alex made is that this this field is it, it's so tight right now, and it's so good. And is that something you've noticed? I mean, from week one to week, I don't know what, what we're at now, seven or eight, have you noticed people starting to step their game up. I, I look at a guy like Jesse Outenhoven who really struggled early on this year, and now he's, I think, two consecutive top five finishes uh, for Jesse. So he's really starting to get back on his game, and you know that that's just beneficial for all of us sitting in the stands, I would say. Yeah, very competitive field of cars. I mean, you look at qualifying times and you know fast time to not even making the feature. You're talking two-tenths of a second split. Um, you mentioned Jesse Outenhoven. We talked a little bit about him before we went on the air here, and yeah, that's back-to-back weeks for them, finishing third place. Um, I know they're doing some stuff setup-wise that isn't like anybody else's running, but it makes you know um, Jesse comfortable in the car, and it's working for him. So um, it's cool to see you know guys like Jesse, guys like Alex, you know, um, run up front, do well. Um, you know, with the uh, the 66, the Lamers team getting the win, and that's cool to see them back in victory lane. It, you know, to compare it to NASCAR, it's almost like the the Wood Brothers 21 team out here at Kakana. That's such an iconic number and team that's been out here forever with Jim Duco and different drivers over the years. So um, to see them guys get the win after all the work they've put in and some of the bad luck with, with tearing up race cars and stuff last year, it's pretty neat. They stuck with it, and it's paying off. Yeah, and Alex is a great kid, uh, someone who's really devoted to the sport and it's really come a long way since we first saw him racing in a late model back a few years ago. Yep, absolutely. And one other guy to mention, too, that uh, picked up, I think, his best career finish this last week in the Supers is Brandon Reichenberger. Um, mm, he yes. ended up fourth place. Um, I seen him. We were kind of coming back through the field after getting shoved to the back early and um, caught up to Stralka and Kendall, and, and Brandon held him off. He ran a great race. Um, you know, those those are the guys who qualified second and third this week. They couldn't get around them. Um, so hats off to them. I know they got involved in the wreck in the red race, I believe it was, and um, had to take a week off to repair their car, um, doing everything just Brandon and Mike pretty much themselves on kind of your shoestring budget. So for a guy like that to get a top top uh, five and a fourth-place finish, that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, a lot of the guys we're mentioning and yourself were all guys that came from the late models previously. And, and Andy, no offense to any other class, 
but I have had so much fun watching the late models this year. I don't know what changed with them. You know, you got a few new guys in there. Um, I, I think they might have actually changed higher, too, if that gets me correct. But it might have actually been last year. Um, the late models have been so competitive this year. So competitive. And it was another barn burner of a race. <laughs> Mike Meyerhofer holding off Travis Road while we caught up with Meyerhofer after the race. And here's what he had to say. Mike Meyerhofer, the winner of the Eagle Graphics Late Models, Ken Sports 20 Lab feature. Mike, uh, Travis Rodewald was right there. Uh, we're trying to figure out why he backed off. Some people think maybe he saw the checkered flag. What did you see? You're going to be 100% honest with you. I overdrove turn three, and I let him in. I stood on the throttle, and I thought it was going to be a drag race for the next lap. I saw the white flag, and as I came into one, I looked in my mirror again, and he wasn't there. So I didn't know what to do. I stood on it again, and... I was amazed that he wasn't there because Travis has been super fast in recent weeks and he's got a great car and um, learning. Um, it's his first year, I believe, with us on late model class, but he's been around for a lot of years. So um, I was happy to, you know, get the win, but I thought it was going to be a little closer than what it was. You had Beatty there on a couple of restarts, and he was able to hang with you. I know there's some association between you guys. You know each other well. Uh, just tell me about the restarts and how you were able to get away. Uh, well mostly my experience with that one he's learning he's got a very fast car i know where that car's been and it's been to victory lane a few times and um i i was very impressed actually with how he drove me down into turn one and and we raced side by side for a lap or two and um basically my just experience came out of there with running my lines and um but he did an awesome job. I think he finished in the third spot tonight, I believe. So, you know, he's been getting faster and faster every week. And, you know, it's good to see the young drivers come up like that. The class has been real fun to watch this year. You become the first repeat winner. Takes us all the way into July to get the first winner, uh, first driver to win more than once. What's it been like out there this year? Um, competitive. Like you said, we have all these winners this year. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the tire we're on. Um, tonight I got a lucky draw and got to start um, right up front there in the second row inside. Um, but it, it seems like, you know, where, what, what do you do with uh, point battling and, and where you're racing around, what this tire is going to do and hold up. And um, I think that's what it really does come down to. Um, I think the Fox River Racing Club made a good choice, though, to give us two tires every other week and keep the cars a little more stable, keeps the wrecks down. And um, that turns into the competitiveness there we've been running green to checkered for the last couple of weeks and it's been fun difficult to pass at times but you know it's racing so mike meyerhofer becomes the first repeat winner of the season in the eagle graphics late models and it was potential that we were going to have our first repeat winner in travis rodewald andy i know you're strapping in the car you were getting ready to go um, Dylan, maybe you caught this, or, and Dan, I'm sure you did on video. They come down to the stripe, and they're basically side by side, going to one, and Travis just backs off. And personally, I thought he might have hit the quarter mile or clipped the grass or something because Meyerhofer was about 10 car lengths away by the time they hit the backstretch. I did ask Travis Rodewald what happened, and as was suggested by a few people, Travis thought that that was the checkered flag quite unfortunate yeah i mean that can happen i mean uh, we all have spotters and stuff out there and uh sometimes the spotters will tell us you know that it's the white flag or we're going green or whatever but 
um, a lot of times they just assume that we know or we're watching the flag stand because, hey, it's right in front of you. It's, you should be able to see it. But uh, believe it or not, when you're racing hard and, and this and that, you can overlook that pretty quickly. Um, I was in Madison last Friday in a heat race side by side with uh, Nick Mergic, and we came across a line battling for sixth spot. And I didn't even know the race was over. And next thing I know, I'm on the brakes trying to stay off of Reagan May and everybody else, like, hey, race is over. It's only eight laps. Oh, I thought it was a 10 lap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're just so focused and doing what you're doing that that can happen. It must be nice to have a little lap counter or something inside the car, or a little checkered flag icon, something like that. I mean, NASCAR's got those big LED display. Uh, tachometers and things like that you'd think they'd come up with something but we don't need to get into that just yet <laughs> uh the good news for travis rodewald is even though he backed out it, those two were pretty far ahead of the rest of the pack that at least he did ha- hang on to a second place finish so a bit of silver lining there and we talked a little bit about some of the drivers picking up good feature finishes in the super late models how about a shout out to evan Beatty, evan and seven uh, that was a uh, that was a really nice run for him finishing third. Yeah, and I believe that's probably one of his best feature finishes as well. Probably the best on the season for sure. And um, he's getting better each week. Um, you know, like Mike had alluded to in the interview, um, it's good to see the younger drivers. You know, guys who've come through the the uh, sizzling fours and the super stock class to move up to the half mile and continue to keep working and get better. And you know, that's not a brand new car and best equipment, you know, but he keeps working and they keep doing their homework, making laps. Um, he's just going to continually get better with it. Yeah. It could just be a matter of time before he's in victory lane and then we'll have, you know, 12 different winners this season. Yeah. It's been pretty <laughs> crazy. Uh, let's go on to the quarter mile. And uh, that would also lead us into our guest here. We'll go first into the super stocks. Uh, the car that did cross the line first was not declared the winner. Unfortunately, in tech, uh, there was an issue with the intake manifold on the 63 car of Tony Wills, who's had a really good season, and I'm sure he'll bounce back from that. So uh, Dylan Wenzel, that potential pass on Alex Seidel there at the end, could have been the difference. It, it Really well, yeah. It could have been the difference. Um, it was kind of goofy the way that last restart was, and I almost jumped it. And uh, them guys actually did a better job than me on the restart. And uh, Alex did a great job and held his line. And uh, I just kind of had to settle for what I did. You know, you talk about settling, but you you haven't had to settle much this year. Uh, I think, what, five feature wins out of the seven so far, if I'm correct, or six out of eight. Which which one is it? <laughs> four out of six. Okay, four out of six. Four okay, yeah, six. that's right, because we did rain out uh, that one week correct. before we could get you guys in uh, during the red race. Why so fast? Uh, and, and it's not just I, this year either. I asked myself the same question. Huh? There's a lot of work that goes in this car, a lot of stuff that people don't see, you know, in between each week that uh, between the maintenance and uh, this car I've had since 08 so I have a long history with it so I know what it likes I've been doing this almost 20 years now so I know what the track is like and what I need to do and I just found some stuff and uh, I had some stuff that um, I made mistakes last year on some setup stuff that I had not known that I've done it. So I found that in the off season, and I switched it back to where it should be. And boy, it's it's a rocket. 
You know, I have a question for you as far as maintenance is concerned. Uh, you, you talk about it, and I see your posts on Facebook every week. You know, it's Wednesday, it's Tuesday, it's a couple days before the race, and here's the car on jack stands, ripped apart, and I guess maybe the more not the so diehard fan, but the more casual fan might think, hey, thing's perfect, why would you touch it? You know, what are some of the maintenance things that you have to do each week to make sure that that three car stays as fast as it as it yeah. is. Well, you know, I guess the persona is, well, if you win, the car's good for next week. You don't have to do anything, and that's far from the truth. Um, nut and bolt. Um, you have to check, make sure nothing's getting loose. Um, you have to check for cracks and welds, and there's always some little stuff, little problems that you see starting to happen in the car that it's not a big deal now but if you do not take care of it it will become a big deal and you will not finish races how many other drivers would you say do the kind of thing that that you do as far as maintenance is that something that sets you apart or is everybody doing that kind of thing is that something maybe you don't know i don't know um what everyone does um behind the scenes uh I, uh, I guess I've never really asked everybody what their program is from week to week, but I'm a firm believer on a strict maintenance program just to make sure your car is in tip-top shape. Um, if, if I want to get beat, I want to get beat on the track. I don't want to beat myself by me not doing my job and us not as a team not doing our job and not creating a DNF. I think that shows, too, I think in all divisions is kind of the teams that are doing the proactive maintenance instead of reactive maintenance and you're staying on top of things um, like Dylan said just so it doesn't become a bigger issue um, down the road and cause you to wreck or cause you to pull off the track. Um, besides yourself, who helps you on, on the car week to week kind of get this thing prepared? Um, I have a, a new guy this year, uh, Denny. Uh, he helps with the car. Um, without him, boy, that would be pretty rough to get things done. My dad tries to help out when he can but with work and all that's kind of that's kind of hard for him so it's pretty much you know I do you know a fair share but then Denny comes and he's been a great asset this year and uh boy I don't think I could do it without him to get to this point I know you and Greg Hauser Andy Cassavant you guys were kind of beating fenders on each other over the past few years before you started winning your championships prior to that what was your racing career like? Where did Dylan Wenzel come from? As as long as I can remember you, you were a super stock driver on the quarter mile, but I'm sure it had to start somewhere. I actually, I did. My, my 16th birthday was my first race uh, on, the, on the quarter mile here. Um, I bought the car for my dad. I worked on the farm for $2 an hour and saved up my money. And my dad's like, if you can raise the money on your 16th birthday, you can race. So... And what year, what, was, what year was that? I think 97. Okay. And July 31st, uh, 97, that was my first race, and I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, and you've been getting faster and winning and and, and all kinds of things. I, don't like, I mean, red, white, and blue championships, track championships. Let me ask you this question. From when you purchased your super stock or you began your super stock racing back in the 90s to today, how much has the technology and the way the race car is put together changed. Oh, night and day, night and day difference. It, I have actually my first car still sitting in the barn, and you go look at it, and it's nowhere near. It's pretty much a stock. 
everything on the car where now it's almost full-blown racing parts on a stock chassis it's pretty wild when was the moment that you started to figure things out when was that aha moment when you started to realize this is what i need to do to win races this is what i need to do to win championships i would say about uh 10 years ago i started getting having more of the speed in the car um i probably didn't have the confidence and um i made a lot of mistakes and um you know i'm racing with greg and um yeah, it would have been randy benroy back then uh schwabach and you know the whole group guys hauser cassavant um we had fun doing it and uh you know we kind of laugh about well who made what mistakes and what do you have to do and uh it's just one of those things that uh you just keep keep digging, keep trying things, you know, slowly but surely I was getting faster and more comfortable. I ran a lot of a lot of laps on the outside and made a ton of mistakes. So I kind of, I think I have it down patent now. And, and that's kind of interesting about the quarter mile as well. I'm glad you mentioned the outside. Is that sort of an acquired taste, something that you really have to practice on and go out there and take your lumps? Because once you get it to work, as you've proven here over the past couple of years, it, it's there for the taking. Nobody else seems to want to go up there. That is true. Um, it is difficult to do. Um, you have to have a lot of trust in the car, your competitors. You know, it's um, you have to drive the car completely different when you go on the outside versus riding around the bottom. So there's there's a lot of things you have to do different to make it work, and you have to be comfortable doing it. And uh, I'm pretty comfortable, and I have confidence in the car that when I go up there and I try these moves that I feel it's going to work every time. Hey, I got a question for you, Dylan. So this has come up a lot this year. Um, just the what do, you, what do you see the outlook for the super stock class um, and the future kind of direction of it going forward? I know maybe the car count hasn't been quite as... Um, plentiful as it has been in years mm -hmm. past um and there's some different things with with rules and stuff so maybe you can you can talk a little bit about that i think um a lot of people are kind of interested what's going on with that class and what do we got to do to to get things rolling again well we're we're kind of in a unique situation where we are a super stock but we're not like what's considered like an area sportsman car um, which a lot of tracks um are running as so we're kind of like halfway rule-wise um, between different tracks. So I think that kind of uh, makes it harder for guys to come to the track and race with us or for us to go and race somewhere else and, and try different things. So I'm, I would like to see if we can kind of make it where we can get guys from other tracks. Um, maybe, I don't want to say redo the rule book, but try to make it more inviting to get other cars in our class because um, there's a lot of cars out there and we just got to make it appealing for them to come. Sure. Yeah. And that's a big part of it too. If there's cars out there and maybe, you know, their rules don't quite match our rules. They maybe don't want to change everything over from coming from here to the Dells or whatever it might be um, to just get more guys out here. And um, you know, it's, it's been a great class. Obviously there's a lot of people we've talked about already previously, Evan Beatty, you know, and, it's different people, um, Corey Manders, Johnny Van, whoever over the years that have moved up from that division. So let me ask you that question <laughs> since uh, 
since things have been going pretty well for you on the quarter mile, um, and you have a few laps on the half mile, you know, in the, the Tundra opener, they had mm-hmm. the super stocks and stuff up there. Do you, uh, see yourself getting into a, a late model or super late model anytime in the future? I would love to. Um, it, the opportunity would just have to be right. Um, right now, the cheapest thing I have is what's in the garage, which is, you know, the super stock. So, um, I've often thought about doing that, um, but I think the deal would, you know, it'd have to be the right circumstances to do it. Um, I, I, there's no timetable. I don't know. I have fun up there, you know, doing that tundra stuff the last two years. I have a blast. I'm comfortable up there. You know, I, I feel I have the driving ability to, to do it. It's just, I don't know, maybe I need that extra nudge. Hey, it's time. Well, maybe the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast is the place for you to get that extra nudge, right? <laughs> yes. That could, that so very anybody well out be. there listening, Dylan Wenzel is ready to step to the half mile. You know, all of your competitors might just pool their money and buy you a late model. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've often said that this year. It's time. You, you can go now. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Hey, uh, Dylan, thanks so much for joining us. And before we start moving on here with the podcast, uh, obviously sponsors are a huge part of any race program. Why don't you uh, take this opportunity to just mention who helps you? I have to uh, uh, big shout out to Northland Auto. Uh, without uh, Gary Reborn and stuff, um, boy, that car wouldn't be out there. He's helped me when I was in dire need, especially last year when I lost three motors and uh, things are looking a little a little sketchy there. Um, uh, custom arms. Let's see, I got uh, 920 wraps. Um, boy, catching me off guard here. That's okay. Um, Pure Romance by Terra. We got Novice Glass, which is our uh, sponsor for our class, which is kind of cool uh, that they're with us. Um... Marty Nussbaum Racing. Um, I think that kind of covers it. Well, good. And, uh, you know, congratulations on all your success this season and in seasons past. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you have up your sleeve here the rest of the year. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, putting on a show and see what we can get. Uh, that's one thing. You, you're always going to see Dill the Thrill putting on a show. That's that's why we gave him the nickname. What, one more question before you leave. So we talked about this on the first podcast when you got in the mud and there was a guy who cleaned <laughs> off his yes. windshield with the yes. shirt. Yes. Who yes. was yes. that guy? Jesse Van Burkle. Okay. And uh, I talked to him this last week again. Um, and uh, I'm like, what kind of beer you like? You know, <laughs> I'm like, know. I have to do something. I mean, because without him doing what he did because none of my crew guys were down by the track there was no way i would have been able to get back out there so well he is identified yeah he is a figure eighter so you know if you need some tips or tricks or something to go a little bit quicker at least through the left hand turns i don't know about the right hand turns if you could help him out with that too much but maybe that'll maybe that'll help him out those those figure eight guys don't need shirts anyway No. 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 no 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 Well, let's move on uh, to the Wisconsin Sport Trucks and a guy that is not typically out of victory lane for very long, and he certainly made a statement win this week, Brett Van Horn winning once again in the Wisconsin Sport Trucks. There's another guy that's a lot like you, Dylan, that's found a lot of success on that quarter mile over the last couple of weeks. It was another good race. Uh, The Wisconsin Sport Trucks, I would say last year it was sort of Brett Van Horn's playground. It's really not the case anymore this year. You have Jason Plutz, you have Kyle Quella, Kylie Vandermoss has been fast, Jordan Fisher's been fast, 
there are some trucks to compete with the 36 this year. Yeah, it's starting to get to be a, a pretty competitive field. Um, like you said, Brett won again, but the cream really rose to the top. Plutz and Quello were right there. Uh, I think Kylie Vandermoss picked up the, the win in the heat race. Um, she was fourth tonight, and then uh, or not tonight, uh, Thursday night. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to see uh, see some good runs there. I think um, younger guy, I'll give a little shout-out to uh, Nathan Brantmeyer. I think he's like 15, 16 years old in that seven truck. Um, he's starting to get a little bit better each week too. So it's nice to see that uh, out of the sport truck class and uh, continue to put on a good show. And Andy, I know that's a, a class that's near and dear to you as someone who began your career or advanced your career in the <clears throat> Wisconsin sport trucks. And I'm glad you brought up Nate Brantmeyer, youngster. You know, what kinds of things do you get? There's no suspension. There's not much setup stuff you can do. What do you get? out of the Wisconsin sport trucks that you can bring up to the next levels of racing? I think the biggest thing is just experience in racing. And um, there's a lot of people that have moved up from the sport trucks to different classes, um, like we talked about on the last podcast. And um, really when I've talked to them and tried to give some advice on you know how that transition is going to go, it's the one thing you just got to remember, it's still racing. Um, and you're still out there and you're competing. Yeah, as far as the adjustments goes on the, on the trucks, they do a lot of things with tire pressures. Um, they can't change springs. They don't have any. They can't uh, throw sway bars at it or, or change rear roll centers or anything like that. So um, they're really um, limited on what they can do for adjustments, and they just got to go out there and drive it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is um, you start to change your driving style to fit how the truck is handling, and you learn how to adapt to that. And then once you jump into um, a super stock or a half-mile car, it's, it's almost like driving a Cadillac now. Now you got suspension on it. You got different things to adjust on. Um, so it's pretty neat, um, pretty neat class, affordable to get into. Um, you know, I, I bought my first sport truck back in 1999 for $3,000 from Rob Vandermoss and um, got got into racing doing it that way, and a lot of people have. So um, it's cool to see the truck class continue to thrive. And another class that's really been thriving lately and another beginner class is the Sizzling Fours, and we talked about the good day that, Evan Beatty had Emery Beatty picks up his second win of the season in that zero nine. Um, that's another class where you could kind of just, you know, if you're handicapping the odds, there's about five or six guys that you could throw out every week and you're just really not sure. Tim Richter makes his return this week. I thought for sure that he had a little something there for Emery Beatty uh, because that when he was here, he was dominant. He was really fast. And uh, it's just good to see some of the youngsters and then some of the guys that keep coming back in, you know, Schweitz or guys like that, that'll just pop right back in out of nowhere and, and make the class interesting. Is there a story behind Richter's number? The no sense yeah. car? Where did I, that it, come about? You know, I think there I, is. And I, I believe he know, told me. Dylan knows. I know the story okay, because let's hear this. Um, we were, you know, uh, we were team teammates and stuff for, for many years. Um, the reason why we had the zero sense is because he's like it makes no sense to be racing a four-cylinder on the racetrack so that's why he went with zero sense because it makes no sense to be doing this perfect that, that's that's sensible information for any type of race car to be completely it's not just a four-cylinder i think you can ask a lot of drivers that um you know i i have no realm to talk because i'm just up on the announcer's booth flapping my jaw and a lot of times there's not a lot of sense that happens up there believe you me but, uh, no, that's a great story. It's good to know that. 
Uh, four cylinders, no, it was a good race, and uh, you know, shout out to Heather Wolfgram. She uh, snuck out a top five right at the end. I think she passed Jerry Conrad on the last lap, so uh, for her to get that feature win uh, a couple weeks ago and followed up with a top five, uh, looks like that 15 car is going pretty good this year for her. Yeah, and uh, she's kind of out of that stable of uh, Pete Vandermullen, Trevor Vandermullen, and you know, there's obviously not a lot that the super late model drivers can tell her, you know, go run this stagger on that stagger, <laughs> but. You know, there is racing knowledge uh, sort of in that stable. And, yeah, I, I would think early on in the season, if we were going to go and vote for most improved driver already uh, for the Sizzling Force, she would, she'd be miles ahead of everybody Absolutely. else as far as improvement is concerned. But, uh, yeah, great job by her. That point battle also getting pretty interesting between Rick Glazer and Dan Thompson. Uh, final event of the evening, as always, figure eights. Uh, a new winner, Jeff Will Robbie, sticks the lucky number 13 in victory lane. <laughs> and the thing I really liked about Jeff is, you know, we were doing the kids' coin drop at the end of the night, and it was kind of an opportunity for him to get the whole family down there. There were the kids and everybody down there taking pictures. It was uh, it was a nice little cherry on the top at the end of the night there to, to be able to bring, you know, friends and family down into victory lane and get the pictures taken, I think. I told yeah. him he should use it for a Christmas card. Yeah, it's a neat opportunity to do that. And Jeff's a great guy. He's been around racing a long time, so it was nice to see him uh, get that car back out here. That that car's no stranger to victory lane, so uh, shouldn't be a big surprise when you see that one winning again. Yeah, now let's talk about uh, what's coming up next week, Annie, and I'm sure you're, you're, you're chomping at the bit here because it's the white race, and it, it means extra laps for the super late models and for the late models. Uh, with the complete show, still heat races, still everything. You know, a couple of years ago, we scrapped the heat races, then we put them back in, and we changed the laps. And personally, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of the format the way it is now uh, with the 50-lap races. Uh, I like them a little shorter, probably just because I don't have a very long attention span. That's just me. Sorry if you guys like the long races. Don't take any offense. Uh, the red race was not, I guess you could say, very good for you, uh, but... You kind of got a mulligan. Everybody got a mulligan out of that one because the reins came, called off what was the feature. Uh, Casey Johnson was leading the old Bennett. And really everyone now is still very much in the hunt for the red, white, and blue championship. Yeah, I mean, really uh, all that really counted for that night because the rain came, like you said, was qualifying in the dash races. So I think heading into it without looking at the standings, uh, you know, Bobby Kendall might be our leader going into it as he had fast time at the red race. Um, but he might only have a two point lead over the next five guys or something in line. So it's going to be wide open. Um, we're going to have some good cars here this week. Obviously Casey Johnson will be back. Um, and, uh, Ty Majeski, you know, will be, uh, will be here for the white and the blue race as well. Um, so some, some extra cars, some good competition. Um, you know, like Alex said in his interview, you know, four new tires. Everybody loves that. Um, you'll probably see some some pretty good qualifying laps turned out, you know, weather permitting um, with the heat and the humidity. And um, should be a good show. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They did not award you any points for the features, right? They didn't split it. They didn't. They split them all evenly is okay, what they did. So they did. Um, the reason they had to do that, um, there was a little clarification at the next driver's meeting was just um, – because the semi features and everything had already run, okay. so they had to award points to those guys. So I think it might have been like everybody got 44 or 42 points kind of evenly. Um, and since you brought up points, that was actually um, one question I got during the week that I uh, thought maybe we could address on the podcast is how are points awarded? There's a lot of people that don't know. They're not you know, posted everywhere. Mm, Obviously, the okay. standings are posted right. there, but how are they awarded? And 
Um, in a nutshell, I can kind of cover that just a little bit. Um, I was just going to say we'll just tell everybody arbitrarily. You know, <laughs> yeah, we just make it up. You 50 know. points for uh, the feature <laughs> win one week, 75 the next. No, it's it's not like that at all. Yeah, I, on the half mile, I'll go over that. If Dylan knows uh, on the quarter mile, you can touch on that a little bit. But really on the half mile, super lates and late models, um, fast qualifier for the night will get 16 points, and then it will go down by one point all the way to 16th place. Um, the heat races, um, the, the slower heat will pay 14 points to win, and that goes down by one point as well. Um, the fast heat will be 15 points to win. That goes down by one point, and then the dash, uh, 16 points down by one point. So pretty evenly through there. The, um, can I just jump in, in sure. real quick? And I, This is something that I, I try to bring up You know, once we start to get down to the nitty-gritty of the point battles throughout the year is how – how interesting it is that they skew the points between heat race one, heat race two, and the dash. Because if you qualify sixth and you start on the pole for the dash, you are in line, theoretically, to run away with that dash, hopefully, and gain 16 points. Whereas if you get bumped and you qualify seventh, you then start that slow heat or the second heat in the last spot and potentially start somewhere where you're gaining four or five points. So it gets really, you know, everybody thinks, oh, all the points are in the feature. That's all you have to worry about. You know, when it gets down to it, remember we had what? I think 10 points separating first from second or first from third in the last two weeks of the season last year with uh, Jeff, Casey, and Max. That could be the difference between one qualifying spot on any given night. Yeah, and that actually came up this last Thursday. Um, if you remember right, Lowell Bennett, um, he qualified seventh. Um, not obviously where he wanted to be, but um, so he got 10 points or so for qualifying, but then he had to start in the back of that fast heat, and there's nine cars in it. It's eight laps long. He might have got up to sixth position or something. Um, that, that cost him a few points. At the end of the night, he had a great run in the feature coming in second to Alex Stump. Um, but uh, overall, as far as the standings go, he only picked up a couple points with us finishing seventh. So, um, yeah, they all they all add up and they all count um, equally. So, going into the feature, since we were into that, um, yeah, it's 62 points for a feature win, uh, 59 for second. Then it goes 57, 55, 53, um, 50th for sixth place, and then it goes on down two points from there until we get to about 11th spot, and then it's one from there. Um, not to get too technical, but that's kind of how that works. Is that similar to what you guys have on the quarter mile? Um, for us, fast qualifiers, 10 points. So top 10 in qualifying get points, 10th, uh, of course, being one point. And uh, for heat races, um, I know the fast heat, it's 10 points to win, you know, and it's point per position down. Um, I believe the slower heat, it's 9. I'm not sure if it's 10 or 9 points, and then it goes down up. A point per position uh, for the features it's 42 points to win um, you have 39 for second but then I think it goes down two points down to like fifth or sixth then it's one point per position if I recall right I, I haven't really I guess I don't look at that yeah. too much I just go and Oh, with some of the action we've been seeing in yeah. the heat races this year, I yeah. swear to God they pay 85 points to win and, <laughs> yes. like, and like five points per second. And now we've just told them how important heat race <laughs> points can be. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the reason why I had asked about points originally is, 
you take a look at a guy like Ty Majeski who did miss the red race, who would be coming in and who's obviously a very fast race car driver. They're putting bounties on him now. You know, does he still have a chance to win the red, white, and blue even with missing the red race? Now he's going to be in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 points behind, I'm, I would imagine. I'm going to say... That's tough. I'm going to say anything's possible, but I'm going to say very, very unlikely. Um, you know, with this coming down to the other two races, you know, uh, uh, JVO or, or Kendall, you know, Bennett, you know, anybody who, um, you know, qualifies into the dash, these the white race and the blue race, and finds a way to finish in the top three in the feature, um, that's going to be your champion. Probably going to have to win one of those races, I would assume. I it's going to make for a very interesting battle this week and then set up for a, a great finale at the blue race. Cause I think it's going to be really tight heading into it and probably not just going to come down to one or two cars. Maybe like historically we've seen there probably be five or six cars within a handful of points, um, going for it. So, yeah. What was that a few years ago when Maxwell and, uh, Brett Piontek tied, they, I think were fourth and fifth in red, white, and blue points coming into the blue race. And then uh, Bennett had trouble. Ty had trouble. Uh, Jeff had trouble. It was I, – I, I feel like I had this list while I was announcing the race and just crossing guys off at the top <laughs> of the charts. And, you know, here's fourth and fifth. And it's like a final four bracket. It, it was. It was incredible. <laughs> it was like, uh, I don't know, like the Hunger Games of who wants to be the red, white, and blue champion. Like who's going to be left at the end of this thing. Um, and, and what was really interesting is Max actually made a pass on the last lap coming out of the last corner to tie Brett Piontek. Otherwise, Piontek would have won it. Uh, that probably one of my more memorable races here at WIR. Really hard to forget that one. It was uh, it was great. Um, and then, of course, Dylan, you could be on your way. How many red, white, and blue championships do you have now? I believe four. Okay, so potentially five here this season um for the thumb like tom brady yeah there you go but of course we didn't get to see any of the quarter mile action because the rains came uh the late models did get their race in and travis rodewald was the winner of that so uh he'll be looking for another red white and blue championship um we want to keep rolling on here uh with the rumble over the thunder podcast and we had promised you folks that we're gonna talk a little bit about tech tips and to get into that I don't want to catch you guys off guard too much, but we had talked a little earlier about maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. And if Dylan and Andy, if you could just give me, you know, one key thing of maintenance that every race car driver should look at before they hit the track, what is the most important thing that you should be doing from week to week? I would say uh, going through the whole suspension, front and rear, uh, to make sure... You have nothing bent and everything is the way it should be. Um, to me, that along with uh, making sure the setup is what it's supposed to be is a big thing. Yeah, that's a big thing on our car too. Um, obviously, we're looking at brakes and, and another thing that often gets overlooked is just safety equipment, you know, making sure you don't your belts don't have any tears and stuff like that. Um, but uh, our car hits the scales every single week. Um, we learn something every week on the scales. Something might have moved, a spring might have compress the next eighth of an inch something might be starting to fail that hasn't yet um, you can learn a lot of things checking ride heights checking angles um, things up on the scales to identify issues and um, I think we take that for granted that all the teams competitively out here do that every week um, and I think a lot of them just don't have the manpower to you know have the time to do that you know whether they're replacing body panels or fixing an engine or whatever 
um, to spend the time to have it up on scales for a couple hours and just check everything over. Um, a lot of times you don't have to move anything, but a lot of times uh, there's a few things that are off, and um, instead of just moving it and making it right, you got to step back and just question, well, why did my pinion angle change this week? Why did it? Why did I lose half a degree? You know, is there a bushing wearing out in an upper third link? Is there something else going on there that's causing that? Um, I think that's a big part of it. So are these are these simple measurements, or are you stringing the car, getting the toe plates out? What what kinds of things are you doing to to check these sorts of things? Yeah, in our car, it's really um, angle finders, um, putting those on the on the trailing arms, strut tubes. Um, you know, checking the toe, things like that, setting the sway bar, um, using the scales, looking at the numbers. You know, I can look at a scale sheet from last week to this week and see that all four corners are within five pounds of what they were. Then it gives you confidence that nothing's majorly messed up. Um, different random measurements that we've had from setting up the car, you know, knowing how far the rear end is from the right side frame rail, making sure left to right that's still in line. Um, we use plumb bobs on our rear end to square up the to the squaring tabs, make sure it's not dog tracking or anything goofy like that. Dylan, say a lot. A lot of that actually, I do on my car. Um, maybe not to the extreme, you know, but um, you do have my cars on the scales every week. Um, going through, make sure the front end settings, um, making sure trailing arm angles, all that stuff. Um, that's a key key role I think to performance is making sure all that stuff is where it's supposed to be yeah and then to add to that is documenting it you know yeah that's you right you know gotta be super you checked all that that, stuff you document it then you have something to refer back to and you know even when our car got wrecked earlier this year in the red race before the rain came we're able to reference back and look at everything okay we know we got it back where it was before we know nothing else is screwed up so I think that's a big part of it that I think often gets overlooked when you're in a rush and trying to do things last minute. Well, guys, thanks. Uh, it's starting to boil in here. And by the way, <laughs> if you guys heard a race car or some race cars out there earlier, uh, Brent Strelka is here. It's Sunday afternoon. What are we at? About three o'clock right now, and he is testing on the quarter mile with what I'm guessing is probably what he's going to try to race at Jefferson with with our Tundra race on uh, July the twenty second. Um, let's just say this quarter mile and that quarter mile are very different, but, uh, you know, turns one and two are kind of one and two are very close. Uh, three and four, you would have to probably go to Rockford or Slinger to figure that one out. It's kind of cool seeing Brent, you know, I remember, um, watching him when the, the late model class was on the quarter mile, he had some good battles back in the day with guys like Andy Cluck and Dan Petterman and, and uh, the Gittner boys. So it's kind of cool seeing Brent back on the quarter mile. I think think Dylan's going to bring his car out there and. And uh, show him some. Yeah, go side by side. Show him the outside line, right? <laughs> hey, you never know. He might be yeah, getting that thing yeah. ready for next week. WIR quarter mile late models will be here with the white race, dun, too. Dun, dun. Ah, you never know. Yeah, you never well, know. Maybe we can talk him into it. I do know that is his old uh, late model that he ran on the half mile a couple of years ago. The one that, uh, if I remember correctly, was two years ago that he won the uh, championship yep. with that car, actually. And if he ever runs the half mile late models, that's the car that he runs. So. I know that one for a fact, at least. Yeah, well, we can go down, out and get the scoop. And then also we had some really neat cars out on the drag strip. I don't know if you guys heard those, too. But uh, I believe Doc's Harley-Davidson is having a, a charity event out here this weekend. Um, so that that was pretty neat. But uh, obviously what we're focused on is this upcoming Thursday. 
It is the Budweiser, Duke FM, Ken Sports, Vanderloop Leasing and Equipment, Scott Vanderloop Memorial, White Race, 645 start time, all of your favorite classes, plus the WIR quarter mile eight models. And uh, Andy Monday, will you give me a prediction, please, for the 50-lap Scott mm-hmm. Vanderloop Memorial? Well, since you mentioned Scott Vanderloop, um, I think it's important to um, – Scott was a great guy. He was Rob's brother. Rob raced out here for years. Um, and anybody that uh, knew Scott or interacted with him just knew he was a very polite, professional, um, just a great overall guy. Um, so it's kind of a cool race memorial for him. Um, as far as predictions go, um, I, there's going to be a lot of fast cars. Um, four tires, um, Ty coming in, Casey coming in. Um, you know, it's it's going to be um, who's on top of their game and going back to the setup and the shop and the maintenance. Um, this is one of those weeks that we probably put in an extra day um, just to double-check bump steer, just to try to um, go through to the rear end, do a little bit extra stuff just to make sure we're prepared for this because this is, you know, one of the, the crown events here at WIR. Um, we were fortunate to win this race back in 2013. That's one of the biggest races of my career um, that I won out here. Um, so... Looking forward to it. Um, tire management, I think, is going to be big. I think you'll see some guys that start out fast early um, and then late in the race maybe fade away as as those tires burn off, having the, the four goodies. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'll be a good night. I think uh, I think uh, we're in for our money's worth with Ty coming. Obviously, he's going to be fast. He's fast everywhere he goes. Um, you know, earlier this week uh, he won at, uh, or I should say last week, at Slinger. Uh, for his first feature win there. So I think that's made it. He's won a feature at every track in the state of Wisconsin in the super late. Um, so he's going to be tough competition, but uh, hopefully us local guys can hold him back there and and uh, keep the trophy here in town. Dylan, what are you seeing for the quarter mile? Boy, uh, I think... Uh, are you seeing a pink number three in victory lane? It's going to be difficult. We got Andy Cassavan coming back this week. Uh, he's going to run, and uh, he's going to be very hard to beat. I think he's he's the key to this week. Is there oh. a green station wagon coming? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Are we yes. going to see that one back out? Um, it's supposed to be back out again this week with Nick Bolt behind the wheel. Um, he's just knocking the rust off and kind of getting used to the car and stuff. So he I, he will get faster every time he gets out there. So he, he should play a role as well. And it was just what a radiator hose or something. Along radiator those lines. hose. Yeah, yeah, it was nothing. Nothing major, major. that uh, took place last week. Well, again, thanks to you, thanks to Andy, thanks to Dan, and hey, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Don't forget, you can find out more about us on our website, which is frcracing.net, or you can go to Fox River Racing Club on Facebook. Uh, if you have a question for myself, for Dan or Andy throughout the week, feel free to go after us on Twitter. My handle is at Matt Panier, at M-A-T-T-P-A-N-U-R-E. We would love to answer your questions during the podcast if you have them. Andy, yours is? Uh, Amonday10 on and, Twitter. And Dan? Uh, it's DanStrong95. So uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what's going on. If you got questions, we got answers. Who's Who is that? Is that like Napa Auto Parts or something <laughs> like that? Napa Know How. Yeah, something like that. So uh, we'd be more than happy to... Uh, Try to uh, respond to your queries, as the ladies' man would say back from Saturday Night Live. All right, guys. It's been fun. Hey, looking forward to seeing you all on Thursday. Let's go racing again. All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Stay out of trouble till then. We'll catch you then.